Hello and welcome to Wannabe Entrepreneur. Today I bring you another interview and I bring you Hendrik as my guest. He's a good friend. I met Hendrik at Trivago. Hey Hendrik, how's it going? Hello, gluten talk. Gluten talk. <laughs> uh, the way I would describe Hendrik is everything you touch turns into gold. And uh, the question I have for you is like, why don't you touch me more often? <laughs> That could be called molestation, I think. <laughs> But although I gotta say, I really miss the times when we worked together at Trivago. We had so much fun together and it has been such an amazing yeah. time. Yeah. And yeah. uh, more serious note, you are top or in the top three entrepreneurs I know you, I was not joking, everything you touch turns into gold and you have so many cool projects that we could speak for hours. But today I want to speak about your, I guess, most recent project, your YouTube channel. It's called The Bread Code and has an immense success so far. But first of all, I would like to ask you to introduce yourself to the listeners of this podcast. I would describe myself as a software engineer who is also a little bit of an entrepreneur and who is just a very curious person that loves to do new stuff. And I care about the why to everything that I do. I always want to understand why do I have to do something. And this inner hunger for yeah. understanding the why, that's what drives me and also my projects. Right. Let's let's jump in into the YouTube YouTube channel. I We're still working at Trivago, and I remember you sharing your passion about bread. So you're bringing bread to your colleagues. You're like, I guess every day you would bring like a different kind of bread and like everyone would taste and it was super delicious. But I would like to understand how did this passion for baking started? That's an excellent question. So I think it's all started with my mother. My mother would always bake delicious bread throughout the year when I was younger and you would have this insane scent in the whole home. It would scent yeah. like fresh bread. Yeah. And to us Germans, so I would say there is not so much German cuisine, but there's this one food that we Germans really have mastered and that's bread. True. If, if you come to Germany, there is bread everywhere. We Germans are crazy about bread. And so I grew up and I had the scent of fresh bread and I think that really put that deep into my mind that I love eating bread <laughs> and my mom she she was a busy person she had to take care of three kids and she would just you know mix the bread together she didn't invest so much time and that got me thinking how can we improve this this plus traveling to Italy for skiing right. I was very blessed that we could do that we would always enjoy different pizza restaurants yeah and this passion for bread plus my interest in making the perfect pizza at home is what got me started into this whole bread baking process and you realize the more you the more you think you know the less you actually know when it yeah. comes to baking bread interesting and so when did you actually start at what age did you actually start baking your first bread so I would say it mostly started with making pizza when I was 14 years old probably 14. I made the 
okay. first pizza at home. And then when I was a student, I would continue to make pizza in my small student flat. And I would optimize my oven. I would get myself a stone, then a pizza steel. I would test different settings inside of the oven. And um, around five years ago, I must have been around 25. That's right. when I first started to bake bread myself. Okay. And... Um... Yeah, what, what I like about you is that you always carry this engineering mindset to everything you do. So that's exactly it. You are always like trying different recipes and changing small variables at the time to perfectly understand what, what's happening. And I know that you created a very successful GitHub repository with your recipes. Do you want to share that? <laughs> yeah, so uh, it's called the bread code on GitHub to all the engineers and to the non-engineers. I'll try to not keep make it too technical, but GitHub is pretty much a website where you can just share your source code. Imagine two people are working on the same file, on the same piece of code, and this website makes it very easy to manage that, to put together documents, and you have a history of what happens. You can go back to the past. Yeah. Now, if you see a recipe these days, is a recipe really set into stone or is a recipe something that could change? Let's say you, I mean, you like to make bolognese, right, Tiago? Yeah. Does your recipe change that's every what, time? That, that's actually my lunch today, but <laughs> <laughs> so very accurate. <laughs> Does it change over time, your recipe, or do you always make exactly the same recipe? It, it does change. Okay, so... I think it's the same also when baking bread or when making recipes. Your recipes change over time, but you want to know what did I actually change? So you, you're interested in seeing the history of things, yes. I think. Yeah. And that's when this platform Git and or the platform GitHub, it's very similar, mm -hmm. comes into play. You can see the history of how things changed and that makes it a very good place to share recipes. And that's how I started to yeah, share my sourdough recipes and I didn't expect it. I went to bed and then the next morning something totally crazy happened. It completely went viral on Hacker News. I think it must have been in 2017 or 18. Do you still remember more or less what it was saying? Uh, I think it just said sourdough bread as a title. I kept the title very simple and linked yeah. to the GitHub repository and I must have been one of the first people to start using GitHub for recipes. And then yeah. the next morning it had 1,000 stars. 1,000 stars. <laughs> yeah, from one day to another. Again, an example of that everything you touch turns into gold. <laughs> But I, I, I love it. So you are an engineer and I would never think on using, you know, GitHub for uh, recipes. But that's basically, I guess that's your edge, right? Like as an engineer, you think, okay, I have this, you know, recipe and where can I share it? Let's share it on where I share all my code, which is GitHub. And uh, and it was a success. So so that's amazing. You you got you saw that there was a need for this, right? So how do you feel seeing seeing such a success? You know, such an immediate success. I was totally overwhelmed by how many people appreciated the detailed nerd instructions on how to make sourdough bread. Because I mean, <laughs> who who writes ten pages on just a simple recipe? But the, the why was so important. So why do you have to do this step? And especially when you're making sourdough bread, which is bread how our ancestors have made it, the right. Egyptians. So it's a very, very old tradition. Can you describe what the sourdough is, by the way? Ah, yeah, of course. So when you make wine, for instance, 
or when you make beer, there's always this one ingredient, which is yeast. The yeast is convert, converting the sugar into something delicious, into alcohol in that case. And it's the same with sourdough. There's wild yeast everywhere. On your skin, I bet that there are thousands of wild yeast microorganisms. Okay. <laughs> and one of the stories is that an Egyptian lady was baking a bread, a flat bread, next to the Nile River. She forgot it the other day, and then she returned the next day, and her bread suddenly started to smell a little bit funky. Hmm. And she also would notice that the bread has increased, the dough has increased in size a little bit. And that's what happens. Over time, you gather those wild microorganisms from all around your place, and which are also on the flour, and they start to convert your dough into something delicious. And that's what sourdough is. It's a wild fermentation. And this fermentation happens for wine, for beer, although for wine and beer, you mostly want to have the yeast part. Right. The sourdough always consists of both yeast organisms and bacterial organisms. Right. So it's a mixture of both. And you take this sourdough and you use it in your bread. Exactly. You What you want to do is you want to cultivate them somehow, that you have a stable colony of them. And whenever right. you make a bread, you just take a little bit of your colony, mix that into your main dough, and then that kickstarts the fermentation. Right. That's super interesting. And uh, okay, so going back to, to your GitHub account, you, you start to realize that people like to understand the details behind your recipe, right? So did you get like some feedback did you get a lot of uh, you know comments in the repository yes so people have been putting in pull requests as well wow. they fixed my my english because i'm not a native speaker so uh, yeah they fixed my german english my english <laughs> and yeah over time i think in 2017 i started to run to do this youtube channel where i would just focus on a few aspects right and i started to upload a video every few months or so but only why then did you decided to start a YouTube channel. So you you realized that there was uh, an interest, right? And did you realize, okay, maybe I can explore this with my YouTube channel or you just did it for fun? So I just did it because sometimes when I showed my instructions, it would be very hard to explain everything mm. in just text and pictures. So I felt I would need to explain a few things with, yeah, where people can see my hands where they right. can see what I'm actually doing because the technique is also very important. Right. So you started doing your first videos. Did you like buy some expensive gear? Like how did it start? <laughs> so I have an iPhone and all I did is I used my iPhone. I didn't buy any gear at all. I just used my <laughs> iPhone to record everything. That's crazy. And uh, yeah, then the YouTube channel didn't really grow in the first years, maybe mm -hmm. a little bit. But then only last year, when everybody was in lockdown, I think around that time, I started to just make more videos. I increased the frequency. Okay. And then just a few videos really went viral. And then, yeah, then, then it went from there. So how often were you posting per week at this point? Um, now I'm trying to do it once every week. Although I just recently also realized that it's sometimes better to, yeah, just take it easy. Don't get stressed about making the content because it's a it's a creative process. You can't yeah. force it. You can't force yourself to release new content every week. Yeah, but in, so in the beginning, when uh, it started to grow, how often were you publishing? Once a month, I guess. 
Oh. But then only since for around one year now, every second week, I would say. Okay. So just to make sure I understand, you did your GitHub, you saw that there was a need and there was interest, and then you kind of started to work on this community that you had on GitHub. And then you saw that there was a need also for video and you went to YouTube and it took about like a year that like nothing was happening. So how many in the first year, how many like subscribers did you have? So the first two years I had maybe 1000 subscribers for the first two years. First two years. Mm -hmm. And what kept you motivated there? Oh, I wasn't even actively pursuing it. I was just con continuing to conduct my own experiments. Right. I, I never wanted this to turn into something. I just kept doing it for fun. And then every one month, every two months, I would release a video when I felt, okay, right. this could be good. But my question here is, okay, you clearly love experimenting, you love baking, but you also love sharing it, right? So why do you like to share on YouTube, on GitHub, with other, with the community? Do you, do you understand why? Yeah, that's actually a great question because I think there are so many myths, especially on this particular topic, Sardo. There are <clears throat> some grandmas which tell you, I have always done it like this. Then there are other recipes which tell you, you have to do that during new moonlight. Right. So there's like so much nonsense out there. <laughs> and especially when COVID hit, everybody wanted to bake bread but the content you would find on the interwebs was mostly, um, yeah, it wasn't real. It wasn't real knowledge. It was just right. uh, bad stuff that didn't make any sense. Right. And I think the the first video that really went viral was called "The One Secret That Makes You a Better Sourdough Baker." I think <laughs> that course. was the name of the video. And there's just really one secret to it. You have to master the fermentation process. That's mm. all. And it takes a while. And people were not focusing on it. They were saying, oh, now you need to do this. Then you need to right. do that. You need to do exactly that. But putting all things aside, 95% of making a great bread is mastering the fermentation process. Okay. So, so basically, you kind of realized that you had a voice, right? Like, you learn a lot of things. You you realize that there was a lot of inaccurate facts in the internet, and you said, "Okay, no wait, I can also contribute here," and you just started contributing without any urge for success. You just wanted to have your word out there. Is that accurate? Yes, a hundred percent. I think that really nicely describes it. Cool. Yeah. And um, at this point, you start to get viral. You start to get. Uh, you go from a thousand subscribers to how many? How, how did it grow? I think I must have been at 40k at the end of last year. 40k. How did that make you feel? <sighs> yeah, it was a, it was certainly a strange feeling. People listening to this random German and uh, using my tips to make great bread and then suddenly on Instagram I get so many pictures of people telling me yeah thank you Hendrik you really enabled me to bake amazing bread and then I said wow this is crazy I'm helping so many people all around the world to bake better yeah. bread and that was really motivating for me to say okay I want to continue on this I'm just right. changing the lives of so many people to the better did this ever happen to you in your previous projects feeling like this never <laughs> <laughs> And and, I, think yeah. that's, I think that's something that we all want, right? We want, all yeah. want to work on something meaningful. I Definitely. mean, I'm not, I'm not developing rockets which fly to Mars or which fly to other planets, right. but 
I'm improving the lives of everybody who wants to eat healthy and good bread at home. Yeah, yeah, that's amazing. Did you? So with uh, with this podcast, and uh, keep in mind that I'm only having like you know 40 plays per episode. I already start feeling the pressure. You know, I feel that like, oh my god, what if they don't like the next episode? Because I'm I'm releasing daily. Did you feel this? Yes, a hundred percent. And you have to be very careful about it. I think when you talk to many creators, also people which are on TV, many of them are depressed sometimes. Right. And yeah, sometimes it's sometimes not a nice feeling. You invest so much time in an episode and then nobody likes it. Yeah. But that's going to happen and it's going to be it's going to be like this more 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 than once. In my case, out of 20 videos that I made, maybe one went viral. So, um It's it's a very very tough game, and I think it's also emotionally it can be very stressful. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. How do you deal with that when you put out your heart and tears and soul to one video and it doesn't have the success you're imagining? I think you need to have this mindset again, this engineering mindset that you want to improve and you want to become better. So right. what I'm doing is I'm checking why wasn't it so good. Uh, what can uh, I improve? And then I'm looking at the statistics. Okay, how many people watched the video till the end? Um, what about the thumbnail? What about the title of the video? I'm taking, right. I'm looking, I'm taking all those parameters, and then I'm trying yeah. to become better. But then the day that my video is released and it's bad, I just sometimes say, okay, today I'm not going to do anything anymore. I'm just going to pop a beer, chill a little bit, yeah. pl play a computer game, something yeah. like that, and continue the next yeah. morning. It's always good. You can grieve for one day, but then the next day you should get yeah. back on your feet. Great. <laughs> yeah, because you also have the random factor. I, you know, sometimes I share the same post like three or four times on Reddit. And one of those times you just get, you know, crazy with a lot of uh, upvotes, but it seems very random, right? So I guess you already figured out a lot of tricks to make your YouTube channel succeed and your videos succeed. Can you share a little bit of those tricks? The tricks that I'm now going to talk about, they're actually also a little bit sad at the same time. Okay. <laughs> Because, yeah, I don't know, what's the long-term goal of YouTube and all those platforms, Reddit, Instagram, and Facebook? Uh, you, you'll know a little bit more once I explain this. So mm -hmm. on YouTube, you are competing with all the other creators that are on the YouTube platform. Yes. YouTube wants to keep you on the site for as long as possible so that they can show you more advertisements, which means they will make more money. Yeah. So the longer you stay, the better it is for this platform. Now, they need to keep you engaged. And that's where the YouTube algorithm does a great job. The YouTube algorithm shows you certain videos all the time. And now right. what the YouTube algorithm does is They will show you different content, content from the channels that you're subscribed to, but also other channels where you previously watched a video. Mm -hmm. And they check the click-through rate. The click-through rate is how many people receive the recommendation and then how many people click on this video. The moment they see that this click-through rate starts to decrease, they will start showing another video from another creator. Right. Because this way, they make sure that the content is engaging and people just open up the video. To increase the click-through rate, you need to have a better title and you need to have a better thumbnail. So, right. so click-through click is just clicking on the video? Yes. 
And this is also for Google's, when you talk about search engine optimization for Google, it's the same. It's very important that when people see your content on the Google search engine, how many people are actually opening up the content. And it's the same on YouTube. Right, got it. But then, I mean, if the people who watch your video just bounce after 10 seconds or so, because the content wasn't good, it didn't match their expectations, mm -hmm. then that's a, a factor that YouTube and all the other all the other search engines say, okay, this wasn't so good content. So right. you need to make sure that the people stay engaged to the video, that they watch it for a long period of time. Mm -hmm. That's why things like top 10 tips to improve your bread, those videos are very good because the people will just stay engaged. They will watch the whole why, content. Why instance. will they watch? Because they, they saw this one tip and now they're excited to see the next and then the next and the next. So that's why... Right. They will watch the video for, let's say, 50% of the time. In my case, my videos are watched maybe 30% of the time, but my best videos okay. are watched 50% of the time. So basically very chewable information, you know, it's chunks of information that people can easily understand and pass to the next one. Exactly. And right. the, the problem now is, and I think that's the problem in general of all social networks, that of course you are competing in terms of click-through rate with all the other content creators. This means that on the homepage, you always need to have more extreme and more extreme content all the time. Mm. Something like, you wouldn't expect what happened to this baby yeah. seal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and now, now I need to compete with that. I need to make an even more extreme video. Yeah. This happened when I baked the bread in the Chernobyl reactor. I don't know, something like that, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, what's the, what's the end game of the social networks? How more extreme can it become? Right. So, so it's kind of, you figure out the way. So you figure out that you have to play with the titles, that you have to, you know, edit your videos and record your videos in a very chewable way, but you don't like to do that. I, I really hate it. But okay. if you want to be successful on this platform, you have to play by the rules. I would yeah. totally love to provide an honest title rather than a clickbait title to my videos as well. Yeah. I, I, I definitely agree with you and it's really terrible. But now I, for other content creators that also have to play with the rules, I would love if you could explain a little bit, how do you come up with your titles? Oh, that's that's an excellent question. So I roughly, I roughly know what the video is going to be about. And then before recording, I typically do a little bit of brainstorming session. Then I also ask a couple of other friends sometimes what they think about a few title suggestions. And I ask them to yeah, give me their feedback, what I like. What I've also done is I've asked the community on YouTube to help me choose a title sometimes. Mm. With, the, with those polls that you can do. Yes, because then they will also be more excited to watch the video, of yeah. course, after they helped you to pick a great title for it. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's that's what I've been doing. And yeah, in many cases, also, I have slight German-English spelling issues. So mm -hmm. it helps to have a friend who is a native speaker. Yeah, yeah, makes, makes a lot of sense. Can you tell me more or less? I don't know if, if you want to share this. If you don't, it's okay. But like, how much were you earning like in the beginning so like when you had like a thousand subscribers would you making any money with those subscribers i think you can start to monetize the moment you are at 1000 subscribers right mm -hmm. so there you had nothing kind of and at i guess now more or less how much 
maybe I don't maybe not ask how much, but like, is it a good amount of money? Is like, is it a salary? So I would say that it's not a software engineering level salary, but it's right. definitely a decent salary that you could live off in Germany. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Do you do German creators get paid more than uh, I don't know creators in India, for instance? Uh, yes, that's very interesting. That's something that you can find out. There's a metric for this, how much you're earning per 1,000 impressions. And for me, the US is the highest, I think. Right. I think US, Canada, and uh, Nordic countries right. are also quite high in that regard. It's important to know also know your niche. Let's say you're in a funny video niche. Mm. What are the people going to buy? A clown costume? Right. In my case, when the people watch this, There might be an ad related to, okay, now buy this pot or something, buy, buy a kitchen tool. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, in that regard, the people have more money to spend when it comes to when you have a channel, let's say, about funny dog videos or something like this. Mm -hmm. I understand. And it's also very seasonal. So what I noticed is, for instance, that the price per 1,000 views in December, shortly before Uh, we Europeans and other people celebrate Christmas is higher than in January. Generally, I, I really had a drop, like 40% mm. uh, revenue drop, despite having the same amount of views. Right. right. Why don't you try creating a Patreon or something where your subscribers could directly support you instead of, you know, watching ads? I thought about this for a long time time and i've actually been chatting before with a person from OnlyFans. i don't know if you know OnlyFans. no it's typically a website for adult content creators but it seems they want to go into um into this patreon style support too okay i feel a little bit bad asking people for money so why, why would they want to pay this random german to yeah just to i don't know do some I mean, red videos i don't know like That, that's kind of the model that I'm going with this podcast. And to be honest, I think it's better to ask for people, if they want to contribute, they, they can, than to sell them ads. Because I think ads are terrible. You know, you are selling something that they, they don't want to waste their time on, first of all. And also that they maybe don't want. And we are kind of convincing them to buy something that they don't need. Oh, that's actually a super valid reason. I didn't think about it this way. Mm-hmm. So can we announce your Patreon here? <laughs> <laughs> no, that makes sense. Yeah, I think that's, I didn't think about it this way. Also, when I, when I mean, it totally matches with my videos too, because I want people to bake bread without buying tools. And of course, I'm earning money from them buying tools yeah, which are shown yeah. in the advertisements. So I, right. I, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Is this your full-time job at the moment, the YouTube channel? Nope. So I'm doing this for two days per week. And then for okay. three days, I am working as a software engineer for my small web development agency. We are around right. 10 people and the company was started in 2014. And that's right. actually also a super crazy story that involves me selling a company to Trivago. And I think we also need to book some more time and talk about that because I think that's also a really incredibly interesting story with so many ups and downs. Yeah, definitely. Like, we were talking also about this before. Uh, Hendrik has so many cool stories that we'll definitely be hearing from him again. So you don't see yourself doing YouTube full-time in your future? Maybe it could 
evolve into something like that. But I also don't want to be that kind of person that, you know, is on a nice beach somewhere on the Maldives and rather than enjoying his vacation, is just writing to his Instagram followers right. all day long. <laughs> so I'm not sure what to think about this. Um, maybe full-time in a way that I would do this for two days per week and then the other three days I would just chill and be creative. Right. Yeah, because well, the, there's also a problem with YouTube, right? So if you stop producing content, you will also gradually lose your subscribers and viewers, right? Yes, 100%. And so it kind of gives you this pressure that even because it seems that it's some kind of passive income and it is because you don't need to work like every day to actually make money you can just like work once a week but if you stop working then you'll stop making money after some months that's a hundred percent true you can be successful with one video but at some point the youtube algorithm has some sort of decay function so then it will stop suggesting your videos Hendrik, we are uh, reaching the, the end of this interview. I would ask you a last question, which is there are a lot of you know entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, and I would imagine that some of them want to create content, some of them want to create YouTube, a YouTube channel. What are the, like, the tips, the main tips for someone that is starting that you give to them? What should they focus on? What is engaging content that you can create that fills you with joy while creating and that people are going to like watching? You need to show the people that you're excited about something. So I get totally excited when I bake a bread and it turns out awesome. I just want to yeah. have people taste it and see my results. If you have this level of excitedness about a certain topic, yeah. then start your YouTube channel. People are going to love you for it. Yeah. So first it needs to be something you're passionate about, right? Mm -hmm. Do you have any other tip? There is actually a very, very, very good quote. I don't know from whom it is, but... Um, ah, right, I know from who it is. It's from a German musician called Dieter Bohlen. He actually lives next to my place. Okay. I was uh, listening to him on online marketing rock, rock stars podcast, and he was saying, when you are really focused on something, when there's this one niche that you're really, really, really good at, at some point, people are going to pay you for it. And he gave the excellent example of, would you ever imagine that you can get paid for driving a car in circles? So if you look at the Formula One drivers, the only thing they can do is they can race the yeah. car in circles. And now they're making millions out of it right. because they're so good at it that people are throwing money at them. That's so interesting. So you think that there's no need to, to solve a problem? It's just like... You just need to do be passionate about something to a point that people will pay for. Or do you need there's you think there's also like you need to find something that people are missing out in the market? When it comes to YouTube, where I think it's also very much about entertaining, you have to entertain your audience, then yes, I don't think you need to find a niche, you just need to show your passion to people. Okay. And then be consistent and keep on pushing, right? Exactly, a hundred percent. Cool. Thank you so much, Andrew. It was a pleasure to speak with you. You always bring so much knowledge that I think people will love to listen to these episodes. Thank you so much for having me, Tiago. Glad to be on this great podcast. And let's do another episode soon on for the sure. other stories. Super exciting sure. stuff there too. I will add your uh, YouTube channel on the description of this, this episode. So anyone that is listening to it, can it check it out? And yeah, any social media that you have on, I will also edit here. And um, 
Yeah, thank you so much. This thank was you. another episode of Wannabe Entrepreneur and see you tomorrow. Hey, before you leave, this is Tiago from the future. I just want to say that I follow a pay what you think is worth model in this podcast. So if you think this is worth something and you want to contribute, you can just go to the link in the description of this episode and buy me a coffee. Besides that, if you're a first time listener and have no idea what this podcast is about, just go and check it out. The first episode of this podcast is called The Pilot and you will understand. Thank you so much and see you tomorrow.